0: Today on the Zabecast, the World Series is set, and the tears are still not dry in Milwaukee. Dodgers, Red Sox, I'll recap game seven. Week seven in the NFL Cam and the Panthers dance on the cocky champs. Jay Gruden and Jason Garrett say, here, you have the game. No, you have the game. All of that plus a Twitter fight over bourbon? Your essential sports talk day starter is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Monday, October 22nd, 2018. Thank you for downloading. Wow, what a weekend. What a weekend. In fact, next weekend is the last chance we'll have, assuming, well, I think the World Series, I haven't looked at the schedule, Next weekend is the last weekend that we're going to have all four major sports cooking at once. NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, and the NFL. So enjoy it. I believe my guy who does the ranking of the weekend's Twitter feed said this was the number two weekend of the year. This one that just went by. And maybe this one coming up will be number one, according to his proprietary ranking system, which you may say in true Seinfeldian fashion, well, I don't know how official any of these rankings really are. I used to have that soundbite. I don't know what happened to it. I'm going to have to get it back on the machine. It's not on there. Either way, wow, what a weekend. What a weekend, what a weekend, what a weekend. Oh, and if you're looking for your ale coin, (laughs) they're going to get there this week. I promise. It was a complete clusterfuck. Uh, Half of them came back. Some of them only needed 21 extra cents. A number of them got quarantined by your local post office where they say, hey, we got something for you, but you got to pay ransom. Some people were tweeting me saying I had to pay $250 uh, to make up for the fact it was a $350 package. You only put a dollar stamp on it. I'm going to write about it in a newsletter to subscribers because I don't want to waste time with it here. But trust me, uh, we have rerouted the the packages, the envelopes that have the coins, and they're going to get there this week, almost all of them. So sit tight. Okay. Dodgers 5, Brewers 1, Game 7. There's no other way to describe this other than a kick to the balls like you've never had before in your life if you are a Brewer fan. They had not been this close to the World Series since they last went in 1982. They had a team that literally captured the city's hearts. I know it sounds cliche. Oh, they fell in love with this team. This was the ultimate scrappy, overachieving, underdog Built with spare parts and a great player in Yelich who may end up being the MVP. But this was a team that, you know, the entire city of Milwaukee just completely fell in love with. And they were right there. Right there on the doorstep and they got their hearts stomped. They got it ripped out, held in front of their face as the last dying beats of their beloved Brewers hearts. Just boom, 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 boom. Why do you got to make it so morbid? I'm just trying to be descriptive. It, it sucked, man. I was pulling for them as hard, almost as hard, I'm sure. Well, close to as hard. I was pulling for the Brewers big time. I wanted to see it. I wanted you guys to be happy, you listeners out there in the greater Milwaukee Metroplex. It was not to be. And of all the cocksuckers in all the world... Who could hit a home run to basically put the game out of reach? It had to be Yasiel Puig. And let me say this right now, in case anyone decides to get any funny ideas, I say cocksucker as a general insult along the lines of Deadwood, the great show that was. I have no, uh, you know, I have no opinion on those who suck cock by choice, man or woman. If that's your thing, get on ya. I make no judgment. See, I have to say these disclaimers now, lest anyone go. I, did you hear what Zabin said on his podcast? Of all the cocksuckers to hit a home run, it had to be Yaseel Puig. Yeah, of course it did. Jeremy Jeffress, man, he is going to live with two home runs for the rest of his life. The home run by Orange Beard Caveman in the uh, second game of the series, and then this one by Yaseel Crotch Chop. Puig. That's a tough one right there. Chris Taylor's rob uh, his robbery of Yelich's fly ball that would have tied the game and might have been a triple. Who knows what it would have been. I mean, it's a highlight for the ages. You gotta give it up. You know, Taylor hadn't played outfield till last year. Now they can move him in game from second base to outfield, and he can make a plus Willie Mays-style catches like that with the game on the line. Phenomenal. It's phenomenal baseball. you gotta got to tip your cap to him. You, you can't be mad at Taylor. Uh, Puig is a jackass, and, and Puig is a meathead. I mean, Puig is a triple-minus defensive player. The, the home run that he probably could have saved if he had jumped right was comical, the way he let his glove just crash into the wall, not even close to the ball that went out. Uh, by Jelic in the, what inning was that, first or second inning? And then uh, another ball he misplayed. You know, he slides late, he misses cutoff guys. I mean, he's just a a big lunkhead. Hell of a physique, though. And when he catches one, he can hit it a long way. Of course, he always thinks he hits it farther than he really does. And that's the whole thing about the bat flipping. He, he, He hit that laser off of Jeffress, did a mini bat flip, did a couple of slow jogs out of the box, and then realized, oh wait a minute, that not may not be out. And then he starts running hard. The point of baseball is to run hard immediately at all times. Everything else, I don't care. Like, people say, oh, yeah, you're just one of the old guard, man. So what if he's having fun? I have no problem with a bat flip on a ball that is, you know, 50 feet out of the park, upper deck, when you really know it. You shouldn't be bad flipping on balls that hit the top of the wall, okay? That's right there. That's a problem because you're going to end up, if you do that enough, which he does, turning doubles into singles, triples into doubles, and sometimes outs out of what should be base hits. But I know, that's just me being old and crotchety saying, you're not playing the game of baseball the way it should be played. Machado is also a punk, and the crotch grab was completely gratuitous. And it shouldn't happen. Now, if guys want to make the finger sign uh, or the monster gesture after hitting a big, uh, getting a big hit and standing on second base, no problem with that. Don't grab your dick. It just no. There has to be a line. Oh, what you think kids haven't seen that before? No, of course they have. Kids do it too. That's the thing. Kids imitate it. My line is don't grab your don't grab your dick and and really crotch chopping also. Shouldn't happen, even though, well, it's a wrestling thing, man. Not in baseball. Just don't do it. But, yeah, Yasil Puig had to be the guy to do it. Council was super aggressive with Hayter early, and there was a lot of sort of questioning about that. I did love how Smoltz said, yeah, you know, I'm uh, learning as I go, which reminded me of the great Steve Spurrier quote about learning as he goes. I'm sort of learning as I go. Uh, Smoltz was excellent. Joe Buck was excellent. I know that you people in Milwaukee hate Joe Buck because you feel like he has always been anti-Packer. But Joe Buck was excellent. He is excellent in calling baseball. And uh, it has to be said. And I believe that Smoltz was excellent as well. And when Smoltz is looking at these moves by counsel, which are very unconventional, he's saying, okay, well, I, I guess I understand high leverage and I guess you want to use them here and you want to make sure to keep the game from getting out of control. Okay. But to admit and to say I'm learning as I go was great. It was very honest. But at the end of the day, to have to hear the phrases, if you're a Dodge, if you're a Brewer fan, to hear the phrases that are the stinging pat-pats on the head, such as, well, they've got a lot to be proud of. Mm. I don't like hearing that. You know, they'll be back next year, I heard Buck say that. Eh, not necessarily. Very bright future. Yes, on paper. A lot of those bullpen guys are going to become starters. It's going to be a fight, as they said on TV, for a lot of these guys uh, to crack the starting rotation, and that's great to have. And they've got Yelich under control for at least a couple more years. And I, I understand. It just you don't, you don't want to hear it because you know, as a sports fan, it's fleeting. It's here one minute, it's gone the next. Or yeah, you know, it was a hell of a ride. I know, I know, it was a hell of a ride. I loved it, and the hell of a ride ended up driving straight into a brick wall, which was game seven. I didn't want the ride to be over. I didn't ever want that feeling of following a baseball team I love to be over. And it did. It ended horribly. But guess what? That's what we sign up for. That's the deal. As they say in the mafia, this is the life we've chosen. Hell, my Nationals lost three game fives in the last five years. And we lost in four games... Another one of those years. Didn't make the playoffs this year. In fact, missed it by a mile. And we're now losing our best hitter, Bryce Harper. And our manager may be a complete dud, this new guy that we thought was going to fix the old guy who maybe wasn't so much of a problem. Who knows? And we'll even get back to the playoffs. Playoffs? Did you say... Playoffs? Yes. Don't talk about Playoffs? So you don't know. me? Playoffs? You don't know. But... But I know your heartbreak. I know it. I've, like I've said, I've had it. I didn't have it Game Seven, and you know NLCS. We didn't even make it that far. But still, a Game Five, three Game Fives. We have lost, and we've blown Game Fives too. I mean, we were up six to two in one of the Game Fives at home, blown them, just flat, blown them. So yeah, I know your heartbreak. I feel you. Will you watch the World Series? Let me know, Brewer fans. I know for a lot of sports fans, when their team gets really close and then they get eliminated, it's you can't bring yourself to watch because you're so sick. And you don't want to watch the same team that you've already grown to hate that just beat you playing for the championship. I get it. I just kind of want to know your feelings on that. The last Boston and L.A. Dodgers World Series was not even the L.A. Dodgers, and it wasn't even the, the Brooklyn Dodgers. They were the Brooklyn Robins because it was 1916 – And I don't think that streetcars had come about yet, which is where the Brooklyn Dodgers got their name from, that they were dodging streetcars in the uh, rising, industrialized New York City. 102 years ago, and Boston beat them in five games. The Brooklyn Robins, yes. Uh, Casey Stengel played in that World Series for Brooklyn. Played. The old, grizzled manager of your. He was a player back then, 1916. It's a stat, it's not a stat of the day though. Clayton Kershaw became the first major league pitcher in history to throw out the first pitch of the season for his team and then throw the last pitch of a game seven that would send his team to the World Series. As they say, the game is a changing. Sorry boys and girls that were brewer fans that had your ride end so shortly. I know I've got Dodger fans that listen to the Cast, and congratulations to you guys. Hell of a ball club. Expensive, but hell of a ball club. Uh, Dave Roberts, I, lo- I love the guy. He's great. He's a good manager. He's had his own heartbreak last year. And um, I'm just going to work around Puig and Machado being jackasses that I can't stomach. Everyone else on the team, I'm okay with. Even Orange Beard Caveman guy. He's a pretty good player. I, you know, the whole... Beard, hair, act, Ah, whatever. And as they say in baseball, there's always next year. It's going to be a long, tough, frustrating winter. But I'm sure if you're a Brewer fan, you are counting down the days till pitchers and catchers. All right, without further ado, let's get right to it. Week 7 in the NFL. Ahead of tonight's game involving the Falcons and Giants, a game that you look at and go, ugh. The Giants. But then you say, oh, does involve Odell Beckham Jr. And with this latest news that he apparently hates drinking water, which I totally get <laughs> when he said that squishy feeling in your tummy. He didn't say tummy. I just added tummy. I laughed and I go, yeah, I'm me and Odell are right there simpatico. But I know, like I'm sure Odell knows, that you got to drink water to be remotely healthy. And if you don't, like I do and others, you're not living a healthy life. Drink a Diet Coke the whole time. Or or coffee as my dad drinks almost exclusively. Not soft drinks. Week 7 in the NFL. Look at these highlights. This is why the league is unkillable. No matter all the dumb shit they do, that they do. All the bad calls that tip the outcome of games. All of the replay nonsense. All of the outsourcing games to London. Here is why the game cannot be killed. In Week 7 alone... With several of the marquee teams on a bye, like the Steelers and the Packers. Look at what we had. We had an overtime game winner from 59 yards out. A Hail Mary that ended up at the one-yard line almost tied the game. An upright, that uh, a a kick that went off the upright, doink, that would have tied the game. A missed extra point to prevent overtime. A 17-point comeback. Benched quarterbacks. We got activist on activist uh, crime in Philly with uh, Eric Reed. And Malcolm Jenkins. I mean, this league is bulletproof. It's too exciting every damn week. The Texans beat the Jaguars twenty to seven in a game that I think is going to have the most repercussions going forward because Blake Bortles was benched in this game, and he was benched relatively early. Cody Kessler comes in in relief and goes twenty-one of thirty as the Jaguars just couldn't get anything going. Against that Texans defense. The Texans themselves didn't have to do much offensively. And how about this? The fact that they drove Deshaun Watson in from Houston. A 14-hour bus ride because why? Doctors said, you know, with a partially collapsed lung, probably not safe to fly. Oh, really? It's not safe, huh? What could happen? Well, you know, the depressurized cabin. Probably not good for you. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just going to drive 14 hours and then play... A tackle football game in which my ribs and my lungs and my spleen and my gizzards are going to get squashed and folded and mutilated. Oh yeah, no, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. Remember kids, this is the league that cares about player safety. No, they care about selective player safety and only when it comes to the head. Everything else, they don't care. So what now for the Jaguars who fall to three and four? They've been outscored, I'm not making this up, like 97 to 20 in the last X number of quarters. It's going to get interesting and ugly in Jacksonville. It looks like the Jaguars might be one year and done as a nice little pop-up story. A team that was, what, 30 minutes away? Maybe less, 15 minutes away from a trip to the Super Bowl last year? Texans approved a 4-3. and three. They host Miami on Monday Night Football. The Jaguars 3-4 and four now. They host Philadelphia in London. They host Philadelphia in London. London. In Philadelphia, the Panthers stunned the Eagles 21 to 17 behind a Cam Newton led fourth quarter comeback down 17 to nothing. The big story in this game, two big storylines. One is the dancing that Eagle players did during a timeout while up 14 to nothing. It was basically between quarters. And there's a lot of downtime at NFL games. Anyone who goes to NFL games and sits in the stands and watches with their bare eyes knows there's a ton of downtime that we just sort of gloss over and don't even think about watching at home because we're watching commercials, we're going to take a piss, we're getting a sandwich, we're answering the phone, we're saying to our kids, what's the matter? You're taking the dog out to pee. But, you know, during these these breaks in the action, players will do some things. And they danced. Oh, the Eagles danced. And that... Lit a fire under the Panthers. Cam, Cam leads them back. They win the game in spite of the fact that there was an Eric Reed interception that was called an interception on the field that would have sealed the game at about the 10-yard line as the Eagles were trying to go in for the game-winning score. And they overturned it in New York despite the fact, at least according to my eyeballs, he had the ball. He cradled it under his arm. It did not touch the ground. Or if it did touch the ground, it was incidental. Many other people said, ooh, that was pretty shaky, that overturn. I then tweeted out, well, cue the Eric Reid conspiracy theories in 3, 2, 1. Because remember, New York City, the league's own in-house officiating god, Alberto Riveron, got to make the call as to whether or not that interception stood or not. Whether or not Eric Reid, famous anthem kneeler, pain in the NFL's ass, was going to be rewarded with the game-saving play, and they overturned it. Is that a good look for the NFL? Of course not. But it doesn't matter because they can't kill the goose. Anyway, this game also featured Eric Reed and Malcolm Jenkins getting into a little bit of a shouting match before the game. And then Eric Reid unloaded on Malcolm Jenkins afterwards saying he was a sellout. Come on, boys. Play nice. Reed basically says that Jenkins abandoned Reed and Kaepernick to get his own project his own foundation funded by the league jenkins took the high road afterwards and said hey look i'm all about eric reed i'm glad he's back in the league any african-american man doing better uh, for his career making money raising money for the community i'm all for that high road jenkins low road reed wow eagles fall eagles fall now to three and four they host they're on the road in jacksonville uh, Doug Peterson said, or they're on the road in London against Jacksonville. Doug Peterson said, the pressure is off now. We're going to go out and see what we can do. Mm. Panthers improved to 4-2. and two. They host Baltimore next week. Tampa over Cleveland in overtime. 26-23. Chandler Catanzaro a 4 59 yarder to win it that apparently is the longest overtime game winner in history and of course it occurred with less than two minutes to go Dirk Cutter said look I didn't think we'd get the ball back if we punted so I said fuck it we give it a try and he nailed it Catanzaro that little cocky punk said I felt I would have made it again from 65 or 69 if I'd been given the chance because he had missed a 40 yarder at the end of regulation that would have won it and he missed an extra point earlier in the game Tampa keeps Cleveland winless on the road for the 24th consecutive time. That is apparently a new National Football League record, 24 consecutive road losses. Cleveland has now played four overtime games. The record in a single season is five. You know they're going to break that record. Cleveland falls to two, four, and one. They're at Pittsburgh next week. Tampa is three and three, and still kind of interesting. Shh, Jameis Winston. Not bad in this game. They're at Cincinnati next week. In the Meadowlands, Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings outlast the Jets 37-17. to They pull away in the second half. This was a close game for much of the afternoon, but the Jets committed way too many turnovers. Sam Darnold stunk on ice. 17 of 42. Yeah, you heard me. What the hell did you just say? 17 of 42. Good God! And he had three interceptions as well. One touchdown, three INTs. It was a windy day. It was a classic Meadowlands day where throwing the ball into the wind was very challenging. And Kirk's numbers were just okay themselves. Of course, Adam Thiel instead of 100 yards. That's seven straight games now for the league's best pass catcher and a touchdown. Latavius Murray had two touchdowns. In this game, Minnesota improves to 4-2-1. and one. They are home against New Orleans this week. Ooh, the juicy rematch of last year's NFC Divisional Showdown. Meanwhile, the Jets fall to 3-4. and four. They are at Chicago. The Colts beat the Buffalo Bills 37-5. Hmm. Who told you this was, was going to happen? I take you back to football five ways, Friday and my explanation as to why this was a unload the 401k account type of a game why because well Derek Anderson is a bad idea that just will not go away he's a 60 and 60 man 60 career touchdowns 60 career INTs 54 percent start uh, 54% completion guy. The Bills are at were averaging just 12 points per game, and that was with other bad idea quarterbacks. Now they throw a guy in who's been out of the league for two years and just got to the team two weeks ago. Colts actually have a good pass rush. They're tied for third in the league with 19 sacks. I'm telling you, this game is going to make your year. You take everything you own, and you put it on the Indianapolis Colts minus 7.5. No! Because... Lock and load! You only get so many chances in life to hammer a dirt bag like Derek Anderson into submission. This is a 45 to 10 game. The Colts fold, spindle, mutilate the Buffalo Bills. You can thank me later or not at all as I'm used to. It's Indianapolis for the legal limit and then some. Alright, so I missed it by a few points. I said 45 to 10. 37 to 5. Is that A big enough, easy enough win for you. Derek Anderson was just as bad as expected. Threw three picks. Could have thrown three or four more. Marlon Mack ran the ball like crazy for the Colts. 126 yards. They ran for 200 yards as a team. Andrew Luck said, please don't make me throw it 50 times. And he did not have to. Luck now leads the NFL in touchdowns with 20, which is kind of amazing. T.Y. Hilton had a couple. Uh, the The Colts are at Oakland next week. And the Buffalo Bills... Host New England on Monday night football. Oof. Detroit beat Miami 32-21 in South Beach. That's only the part of the story. The other part of the story is Devontae Parker's agent now for the Dolphins is feuding with Adam Gase. Uh, apparently he says that his guy, his client, Parker, is healthy and he's being a, held out as a healthy scratch and he could help the team. Gase apparently is saying that's not the case. All I know is this, they did lose two more receivers in this game as Kenny Stills left with an injury and Albert Wilson left with an injury. Brock Osweiler was not terrible, but he wasn't great. 22-31 of for two touchdowns, no INTs. Carry-on Johnson, huge day, 19 carries for 158 yards for Detroit. LeGarrette Blunt added 71, or excuse me, LeGarrette Blunt added like 40 and change. They ran for 200 yards between the two of them. Uh, Johnson had a 71-yard touchdown run in this game. Detroit implu- improves, impro- improves, improves to three and three. They host Seattle. Miami falls to four and three. They're at Houston on Thursday night. Short turnaround, and uh, boy, it's going to be a fun week covering that team with the DeFonte Parker agent story brewing as well. The Patriots hold off Chicago, 38 to 31. A hail mary. From Mitch Trubisky ends up at the one yard line, the one foot line, but they don't get it in for what would have been the potential game-tying touchdown. I say potential because these extra points now in the NFL, uh, you know, Chicago could have scored the touchdown to make it 38-37 and then missed the extra point. Who knows? Uh, Trubisky had a crazy touchdown run in this game. It was uh like second and goal from the eight. He scrambles, covered about 70 yards going. Whoop, 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 whoop. All the way to one side, all the way to the other side. Runs it in for a touchdown. He was not good throwing it, though. 26 of 50 for Mitch Trubisky. No gronk. Sonny Michelle left the game with an injury. But Josh Gordon had four catches for 100 yards. And New England, the beat goes on. They find a way to do it. Whoever is there, they'll make a sandwich out of it. They're like, Bill Belichick's the Iron Chef of the NFL. Just give me whatever ingredients you got. I will make a win out of this. New England improves to 5-2. and two. They're at Buffalo on Thursday night, or on Monday night football. A week from now, Chicago falls to 3-3. Three and three. They host the New York Jets. The Los Angeles Chargers beat the Tennessee Titans in London in the morning, 20-19, when Mike Vrabel decides to go for it to win the game to go for two. Look, I have no problem with this decision. In fact, I loved the decision. Many people though did not like the decision. Some people even said that's a stupid decision. Don't go for two there. Go to overtime. Play the odds. A lot of people had said that uh, you know Tennessee was dominating the game at that point, and it's true. They were leading. They were pretty much in control. They led in first downs, twenty-three to fourteen. Uh, they were great on third down. They were like nine for fifteen. But it doesn't mean anything. You don't know what the odds are in overtime. That's what drove me crazy about this guy who tweeted me. I was like. What are you talking about, the odds? Got to play the odds. Got to go to overtime. Bruce Arians on the broadcast is like, I don't like that. You know, you, 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 you exposed yourself uh, to losing the game right there. I think that's what he said. Something like, you, you took the risk to lose the game right there. No, no, no. He was taking a risk to win the game. Now, there was still like 25 seconds left had they made the two-point conversion. And they went for it twice uh, to, to score the two-point game-winning conversion. Because they had a holding penalty on the first one, which is always a benefit because you get a lot of those calls in those situations, so they actually had a two-point conversion from the one, from the one to win it. I love those odds. I don't love the odds of, okay, we tied the game. First of all, extra point. Not a guarantee anymore, especially on a field in London that looked like the longest grass I'd seen on a football field since the old Notre Dame stadium field where they would have to grow the grass really long to kind of survive the wet, cold falls in South Bend. They're not field turf now, of course, but yeah, it was. Uh, you know, you have to kick the extra point, not a given. Then you got to go to overtime. Then if you don't win the coin flip, you may never touch the ball if they march right down and score it on you. And you're like, well, we've been dominating defensively. It doesn't matter. Who knows what overtime is going to bring? And then if you get the ball back and maybe they kick field, just a lot of stuff that goes into it. You convert that two point conversion. You basically win the game. I had no problem with the decision. The play calling, that left something to be desired. I mean, your second crack, it's a two-point conversion from the one. You got Mariota. Uh, I'd run something that has a run option for him in that play. Just saying. Anyway, the Chargers improved to 5-2. and two. Melvin Gordon didn't play in this game. He went from being fine to out within like 48 hours. Some people are bitching about that saying, is... Are the Chargers reporting their injuries accurately? I don't know. Maybe he just went bad in practice. We'll find out more. Chargers 5-2. and two, They're at Seattle after their bye. Both these teams get a bye, as all London teams get after they travel. Tennessee has a bye, and then they're at Dallas on Monday Night Football. Oh, yeah. Terrell Williams, who I dropped for a kicker two weeks ago in fantasy. Another big game. Four for a buck 18 and a touchdown for the Chargers. In Washington. My Redskins pull it out against Dallas. More on this game, more thoughts from a Redskins fan perspective in just a second. And it was thanks to a Brett Maher 52-yard doink off the upright after a controversial penalty that went against the Dallas Cowboys. The Redskins dominated the defensive line of scrimmage. Uh, Zeke Elliott had like 33 yards on 15 carries. Absolutely one of the worst games he's had in almost like, I don't know, forever, basically. He had nowhere to go. I mean, it was a thing of beauty if you were a Redskin fan, seeing him get stuffed time and time and time again. And the big play in this game was Dak Prescott fumbling at his own goal line on a hit on a on a on a on, a, on rushing Ryan Kerrigan and then having the ball scooped up for an easy oop touchdown by Preston Smith. That play was so bad and Dak Prescott's not good. He ain't the guy. I'm not gonna say he's brutal. He's virgin. He's he's starting to get that way. That play, it's third and fourteen. You're bottled up in your own end. It's a three point game. There's a lot of time left in the ball game. He sees Kerrigan coming at him face on. It wasn't even a blindside hit. Sees Kerrigan coming. Decides, oh, watch this. I'm gonna. Juke and jive. I'm gonna spin out of the way and then turn my body and have the ball out here. Boop, gone. That is the that that play by Dak. And again, I was happy to see it. That if I'm a Cowboy fan, I am screaming. I'm like, you are a third year player. You cannot make those plays. Of course, he made some plays to get him back into it. And then, with uh, one time out in their back pocket, the ball on uh, second and one at the Redskins' 32. I want to say. Jason Garrett somehow, somehow manages to only get six yards and two plays off. Actually, I think it was 52 seconds left. 52 seconds left, timeout in his back pocket, second and one at like the 32. He gets two plays and six yards, and then they get a penalty. Now, the penalty, according to the league office, was for uh, a, a snap violation, whatever that is. And apparently, when teams jump off sides and the ball moves, you know, when the center grabs the ball and positions it and whatnot, if they deem it to be an unusual or sharp movement that causes the defense to jump off sides, then it's a penalty on the center for a snap violation or whatever they're calling it. Problem is, the center for the Cowboys does that all the time. And they have other examples of exact same motion. In fact, on the kick that missed by Mar, uh, it was the same thing. It just they didn't go offsides. Every center has to grab the ball and position it and point it in a way that makes sense to get it back to the holder. He did just that. The refs called it. Plus, uh, uh, our guy that went offsides, I think it was Payne or it might have been Allen, he was two men over. So he wasn't even right on the ball. He wasn't even looking at the ball. I mean, it was a bad, bad call. It would have turned a 47-yarder into a 42-yarder, and given how that ball was hooking, would have absolutely, if everything else was the same, made the field goal good. Same thing if they just called no penalty at all, it would have made the field goal good. But instead, at 52 yards, it just hooked a little bit too much. Of course, we don't know who would have won an overtime. It's quite possible the Cowboys would have, would have lost an overtime anyway. You don't know. But it was a brutal call. If I was a Cowboy fan, I'd be steaming hot at that. And we got to talk about the concussion issue with Dak Prescott, because that was a whole other story in this one. Redskins improved to 4-2. and two. They're at the Giants next Sunday. The Cowboys have a bye. They're 3-4. Oh, and guess what they're doing on their bye? They're staying in Washington to go sightseeing as a team, including visits to various monuments and museums on the mall. So said Tracy Wolfson as a Team bonding experience. Oh, the joy. How many Cowboy players do you think were sitting there listening to this? Like, here's our idea. We're going to go up to Washington. We're going to stay an extra couple days to go sightseeing. How many players on the team are like, fuck that? It's the bye week. I got shit I want to do at home. I want to rest. I want to sit around. I want to Netflix and chill. I've been to Washington with my family. I don't want to do this. Who's going to speak up and go, yeah, I think I'd like to stay home. Don't think anyone said that. The Rams kill the San Francisco 49ers, 39-10 to 10 the final. C.J. Beathard, two INTs, two fumbles. Todd Gurley had two touchdowns. Here is your stat of the day. If you can possibly handle your stat of the day. I think you can handle your stat of the day, right? Yeah, you can handle it. Here we go. Stat of the day in my Week 7 NFL Rundown. Here it goes. Stat of the day. So with that, with the turnovers today for San Francisco, the Niners have now committed 14 consecutive giveaways since their last takeaway. That's right, a streak of 14 straight turnovers. Behold your stat of the day. I believe as Dean Wormer once said, son, that is no way to go through life. The Rams improved to 7-0. They regularly hang 30-plus points on teams. It could have been more in this game. Rams host Green Bay. San Francisco is at Arizona. Baltimore fell to New Orleans 24-23 in one of the most, I don't believe I just saw what happened, finishes of the day. And that was the man who never misses extra points missing an extra point. Justin Tucker, who had been one twelve for one twelve ever since the NFL moved the extra point back to thirty three yards, somehow hit what looked like a crooked range ball. Anyone who golfs knows you go to you go to driving ranges and some balls have parts of the ball that are like rubbed down or worn down or a crack in them or something wrong with it. You don't really notice it and you tee it up and you hit it and you're like I hit that pretty good and the ball goes. <gasps> And just flies crazy off to one side. I have no idea how Tucker hit that ball. But I mean it took the most wicked right turn you've ever seen. And I believe it went over the top of the upright. Now here's what I've been saying for years. Like when when they judge whether balls that go right over top of the upright are good or not good. It is the most inaccurate, inexact science. And it's really not even the science. It's the most inaccurate inaccurate and eyeballing like it looks like it i think i looked this up once basically as long as the outside edge of the football does not break the outside edge of the upright then it's good but if the outside edge of the football just crosses the outside edge of the upright then it's no good now, as you're thinking about the outside edges of a goalpost, that is probably no better than six inches in diameter, maybe eight inches. How do you? How good do you think these referees are at really eyeballing that? I mean, really. Now, maybe it didn't go over, maybe it went through, and maybe it was a clear thing. I don't know, but what a dagger for the Baltimore Ravens to end up losing the game on. New Orleans twenty-four. Baltimore 23. This game was the vaunted two-and-a-half trap. It was also the vaunted era of recency. We told you about it on Football Five Ways Friday with our gambling lesson with Mr. X. That's why you must subscribe. Go to zabe.com slash subscribe or zabe.com slash premium, and you will get this information to take into the weekend. John Brown had a big game for Baltimore, seven for a buck, 37. Drew Brees has now completed the set. He has beaten every single team in the NFL and he has joined the 500 Touchdown Club. I know you people are just so excited for that. And and you're saying, oh, I hope we got a certificate like you did last time. Baltimore is hosting Carolina this week. New Orleans is at Minnesota on Sunday night for that big showdown. And the Kansas City versus Cincinnati game was uh, too late as a final for me to include in this cast. Whoa, wait a minute. Uh, Kansas City won. They're leading right now as I tape this. 38-7. 38-7. The Kansas City Chiefs are a juggernaut. Chiefs, Rams, Super Bowl. That's what everyone's going to be talking about on Monday. So there it is. You're week seven on a roll. All right, let me mop up on some Redskins thoughts. As a Redskin fan, first of all, like every Redskin fan, I am deliriously happy we beat the hated, dirty, soulless, godless Blue Stars from down south. A great win, a needed win, given the fact the Cowboys had beaten us at our place five times in a row. That said, tough watch. That said, Jay Gruden almost, almost fucked this thing up royally. And you can say, what is Alex Smith doing not going out of bounds? I grant you, or, or not getting down in bounds. I grant you, that was a dumb play. Now, after the game, Alex Smith said, I thought I could get a first down. If I got a first down, then guess what? Game's over. Uh, guess what? You're not that fast. Sean Lee, even on a bad hamstring, way faster than you are. Sorry. So that was a dumb play, but you know that would only have forced Dallas to use their final timeout, which, by the way, they didn't really need because they, they their final timeout was used just on a centering run by Zeke Elliott that gained a couple of yards. So they could have done without it. That didn't cause the Redskins to almost lose the game. Jay Gruden's inability to step on a team's throat and to play call aggressively with the game on the line caused this to almost happen. And for whatever reason, the Redskins started playing soft defensively when they had dominated the entire damn game. It's so utterly frustrating. Now, luckily, on the other side of the field was a coach who is even worse at clock management and game management, who is even more timid and more inept when it comes to, hey, what things do I have to do to win this game? And that's Jason Garrett. So you have a worse version of our guy. We have a better version of your guy or something like that. And I don't think either one of our teams are really going anywhere when it's all said and done. But here's the beauty of the NFL. And I'll say this uh, mantra again. Everyone has their favorite NFL sayings. I'm claiming this one as my saying. Ken Ken Beatrice, who did sports radio in D.C., had a saying for many, many years. And he said, you know, more games are lost in this league than won by a wide margin. And you know what? He was right about that. That was a good saying. More games are lost than games are won. Still true today. That was Ken saying. My saying about the NFL is this. Well, I have a couple sayings. One, it's the kaleidoscope league. It's not a week to week league, it's a kaleidoscope league where you turn the kaleidoscope a little bit and and everything changes. Like, whoa, what am I looking at now? You don't know. But that said, my other saying about the NFL is this. Now's the time early in the season is when you want to win. You can worry about being good later. In other words, win now. Worry about being good later. And it means just what you think it means. Just pile up whatever wins you can pile up in September and October because you need those fat stores to last through the injury spells and the horseshit officiating like the Cowboys got a piece of and the bad breaks when you lose games that you should have won later in the year. And your team is going to change, and your team is going to get better, hopefully, as the season wears on. So you win early, worry about being good later. Redskins have won early. They're 4-2. It's great. We're in first place by game and a half early on. I disagree with guys like um, ESPN's uh, Lewis Riddick who said, you know, I think the Skins might end up running away with this. <laughs> running away with what? The division? No. I think the division is going to be a pillow fight between us, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. Three not really that good teams. Uh, for 9-7. and seven. I think 9-7 and seven wins the division. I think it's a three-way pillow fight. I think the Giants are not in it, obviously, although maybe they'll resurrect to some degree. And once uh, the winner comes out, they're going to go pretty much nowhere in the playoffs, but we'll worry about that later. Let's just keep trying to win. Big game for the Redskins on the road. What I love about this team is, A, they are not committing turnovers. And that's the one good thing you can say about Alex Smith because Alex Smith otherwise is is dog shit. There's no other way to put it. He is fucking terrible in almost every regard. And you could say, but he's got no receivers. And I will say, oh, what, Jordan Reed doesn't count? And you could say, but what about his supporting cast? And I'll say, well, why then when Jeremy Sprinkle is wide fucking open does he throw it flat and in the ground when he's open by five steps? That's not a receiver issue. That's a alex smith sucks issue so i don't want to hear it about the supporting cast alex smith is dog shit right now he's a triple minus and if he doesn't get better it's gonna eventually get bad it already is bad in the passing game luckily we're like the 85 corn huskers now because all we do is run adrian peterson a billion times and i guess i gotta start googling pumpkin recipes because another huge game for him god he is unbelievable unbelievable runner but I'm worried that he's going to break. I shouldn't worry because he is Adrian Peterson. Stop worrying, Zabe. I thought you weren't going to ever doubt Adrian Peterson. It's not like I doubt him. I'm just saying I'm worried he's going to break eventually. And the run defense for the Redskins is phenomenal. I mean, this is where the investment in Jonathan Allen and uh, Duron Payne is paying off. The two guys up front. And Ioannidis is just feeding off being a part of that group. And now they're getting edge heat from Kerrigan and from Smith. I mean, the front seven is nasty. And the linebackers, who are not really bubblegum card entities, you're not guys you're going to brag about, Zach Brown and uh, Derek Mason. Derek Mason? No. Mason Foster. Duh. These guys are making plays because the big uglies up front are just stalemating the offensive line, and so the linebackers are shooting the gaps and just blowing people up. And that's the way it should be. Let's talk about the dac Prescott. Possible concussion. So Dak gets hit, waylaid, laying out. By the way, that was a stupid play as well. It's stupid. These quarterbacks are so dumb sometimes. The only guy that I think is starting to get it is Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck turned down a business opportunity at the one-yard line late in that blowout against the Buffalo Bills. He's scrambling on what was second and goal. They had Penalty to pushed him back, and so he's running towards the end zone. Looks like he can dive in there. And then just meekly kind of detours out of bounds at the one. And the announcer's was like, I can't believe he didn't think he could make it there. He was going against the DB, so he's a lot bigger than the DB. And I said, great. You're up big in the game. You know you're going to win this game. Even if you could make it, why bother? you got a bad shoulder. Just take it out of bounds. Dak Prescott on a play, sells out after getting hit, scrambling for a first down in first quarter of the game. And he gets waylaid by Stroman for the Redskins. And he probably got a concussion. He looked like he got a concussion. Of course, I don't know what a concussion is. Do you know what a concussion is? Have you ever diagnosed a concussion? Are you an independent neurologist? I'm not. You're not listening. But guess who is? Antonio Romero Romo. He diagnosed a concussion immediately. And he started talking about it and they're following it on the sideline. And at first they, you know, he's he's allowed to kind of cool down. It, like, they, they let him sit there for, I think, a possession maybe, or a couple of downs. And then it's like, okay, here comes the blue tent. Dak goes into the blue tent. They zip it up tight. He comes out, and you're never gonna believe this. But the Dallas Cowboys and their independent neurologist, neurotrauma specialist, or whatever, they come out of the tent and they say, no, Dak's fine. He's fine to play. they let him back in the game. And and maybe he was fine to play. Maybe he didn't suffer a concussion. Or maybe the concussion was kind of mild. And who knows? It just is funny to me. I'm sitting there watching going, uh, there is no way with... The only featured game in the four o'clock slot of week seven of the NFL that that they are going to knock Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys out of the game in order to let who is their backup here? I gotta look him up right now. Cooper Rush. Cooper fucking rush from central Michigan. I'm like, they are not gonna let no independent neurologist is gonna go. You know, probably a bit of a concussion for Dak. We're going to hold him out of the game just as a precaution because you know, safety is what we're all about. What? We've got Cooper Rush as a backup. Well, that's, I mean, I'm an independent neurologist. Well, that's not my problem. I mean, you should probably have some. No, no. No, no. We're not We're not leaving this zipped up blue tent until you look at Dak again. You run another test. Well, I, uh, I just ran the test and it showed a Slight concussion. So, I mean, rules, you know, league's emphasis. No, 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 no. You keep running tests. Well, uh, I kind of, where, where, how do I get out of this tent? Is there a door? No, no. And there, there's like a big, burly Cowboys strength and conditioning coach guarding the zippered up part of the blue tent, looking at the neurologist going, You heard the man. Keep testing him. And then if it gets really serious, you know what that blue tent has got to be for? bribing the independent neurologist. Oh, so Zabe, you're saying you know for a fact that Dak Prescott had a concussion? No! No, I'm not saying that. I don't know. I'm just saying, don't you see the conflict of interest there? Don't you wonder, hmm, what really does go on inside the blue tent? How come we can't see what's in the blue tent? Why can't there be a camera that follows everything that goes on inside the blue tent? What if I saw the shadow of an outline of a man with something square in his hand putting into someone else's pocket? You know, you're being ridiculous. No doctor is going to take a bribe to clear a guy to go play football. And to that I say, yeah, you're, you're right. Probably. That's assuming that every doctor on every sideline is as pure as the driven snow. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, I'm glad Dak came out of it. I'm glad he's okay. I'm glad that we get to play him for at least one more time this year because I think he sucks. He's not good. Sorry, Cowboy fans. You already know this, right? I mean, and, and by the way, our guy sucks. We bought. If this doesn't improve with Alex Smith, we have bought another fucking lemon. Off of the used car lot of Andy Reid's used quarterbacks. They, I mean, so when I say Dak Prescott sucks, I'm not breaking news and I'm not talking shit as a Redskin fan because I know our guy sucks too. But yeah, Dak Prescott mm, 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 mm. missed a ton of guys, and of course, Romo is sort of kind of rooting for the Cowboys there, which is uh, interesting. And he made a comment about Tracy Wolfson's hair, which she either jokingly pushed back, saying, come on, man, don't say that about a woman's hair. Very sensitive, you know. We worry about our hair all the time. Wait until, I think someone tweeted, watch for all the think pieces that come out of this regarding Tony Romo's comments about Tracy Wolfson's hair. Even though all he was saying was, hey, look, it's windy down there. All that matters, Redskins 4-2, and two, thank God. Win now, be good later. That's the NFL. Win now, be good later. 4-2. and two. Don't look ahead and go, you know, the, the schedule ahead for the Redskins, there's not a lot of winning teams on it. Yeah, well, we're barely a winning team. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Not a lot of good teams on, on the schedule coming up. It's the NFL. A lot of us are all in the same boat. And as my buddy Cowboy Mike said, this is like, we were talking about some mediocre golfers that are on his golf trip. We're like, this is a match between so-and-so and so-and-so to then face the best team in the league, in the Rams. To face, you know, like, we're going to beat the Rams with this team with Alex Smith doing what he does? I don't think so. But again, I say, let's, be, let's win now and we'll we'll worry about being good later. All right. Uh, does not look like the Bengals are making a comeback, so let's go ahead and put a wrap on week number seven in the NFL. Oh, I guess I've got to pick the Monday night game for the record. My lock did hit. I told you. You heard it. That was it, man. Load up against Derek Anderson. I did tweet out a picture. I bet it at Charlestown when I was out there dropping off Frank on Friday night. People wonder, what was the weird total? It was like 145 and 45 cents on the Colts minus seven and a half. It's because I had bet 150 two weeks ago. The 50 pushed the 101. Actually, no, the 100 pushed the 51, and then I got back an odd number, and I just rolled it all together. I said, let's let it ride. Colts minus seven and a half. And no, I'm not like Floyd Wa- I'm not like Floyd Mayweather bragging out how much money I want. I just felt like proving I had a ticket. I had a ticket for $145, and I had a picture on the screen of Derek Anderson holding his head in his hands like a dummy and Andrew Luck laughing his ass off. So there. All right, a game on Monday night. Who am I picking? I'm not picking the Giants. picking the Falcons. What do I have to lay in this game? Quick, to thegreek.com I go. Oh, there's tons of places that have have, uh, point spreads. Monday, October 27th, Uh, Falcons minus 3.5. Yeah, I know. Cheesy. Take the home team minus a short 3.5 on Monday Night Football. That's where I'm at. And there's week seven for you. All right, let's end on this today. I don't mind people giving me shit on Twitter. I really don't. I think I've got a pretty thick skin. I don't block anybody. I will, however, mute some people. Because I think muting is even better than blocking. If you mute somebody, then the first thing they do is they go running around, holding it up like it's a pelt. Ooh, I was blocked by so-and-so. So I don't do that. I don't block anybody. I mute people. Or... I like to say I throw them through the moon door like a Game of Thrones reference nerd uh, uh, what's, the ga- what's the moon door You gotta watch it, gotta watch Game of Thrones you'll know what it is every now and then if someone really pisses me off I just I grab them by the neck and I go here you're going to the moon door goodbye and then I don't even see their tweets anymore so who knows what kind of shit they're saying about me you're through the moon door I'm going on with my life. I don't mind taking shit. I don't give it. I give it pretty good. I should be able to take it. But something funny happened on Saturday night as I'm watching the Brewers game. I'm like tweeting a picture of a lineup of booze bottles from my downstairs bar, and I said, like Craig Council, I'm I've got all my options available, and I'm staying aggressive. And I had the booze lined up. up, 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 up. I had several bottles of whiskey slash bourbon that I had just purchased. Uh, I had some other stuff I don't generally drink, like tequila and vodka. And I tweeted out. I get a reply from a guy whose handle is S J Truther. He apparently has one follower. And you might say, well, why are you giving this guy now even more publicity on your podcast? It's not that I'm giving publicity. I just I want to just lay this all out for you, and you can make a judgment for yourself. Old SJ Truther then comes at me with, ha ha, you give me shit about not paying $5 for your Friday podcast. I spend my extra money on good, My I spend, I can't talk tonight. I spend my extra money on good booze. And then he starts to list the the booze that I had chosen, especially the whiskeys, and said something to the effect of Johnny Walker Black, LMAO, and then says, I'll give you lessons at $150 an hour so you can learn what's good, bourbon and or whiskey. Something to that effect. I just responded, you seem fun. (laughs) Because I thought it was just just one of those responses that I'm like, okay, did I tweet out, these are the finest bourbons and whiskeys known to man, and I have spent a considerable sum on them. No, I did not say that. It was just literally, here's what I've got in my booze cabinet. Here they are. And the fact that I didn't criticize him for not spending for the Friday podcast. I don't know how he got that idea. I've said repeatedly, if you don't want to pay for it, don't. Just listen Monday through Thursday. If you do want to pay, great. I appreciate it. But he's here bragging about, I spend my extra money on good booze. And then at the same time, it's like implying, well, I, I'm not going to waste five bucks on you per month. You know, I'll spend another hundred dollars on a high end bourbon, but I'm not going to waste it on you. So after I replied back, you seem fun. That got some other people to jump in and attack him, which I was. I don't do that either. I don't. I don't send out the bat signal like attack this asshole on Twitter. But uh, some people did. they went back and forth, and my man S J Truther, said. And by the way, he, he doesn't list any personal info or bio or anything, which I guess I'm split on. On the one hand, I don't really respect people that come firing at you from anonymous accounts because I feel like, hey, you know what? You want to come firing at me? Show us who you are. Who are you? Who do you work for? Where do you live exactly? What are you about? Are you a real person? You know, who are you? If you just want to be a lurker and you want to be anonymous, okay, that's fine, but don't Don't come firing at me from a sniper position without putting your name to it. Put your name to it. That's all I like to say. On the other hand, Twitter is so dysfunctional. The world we live in is so fucked up that I can understand where guys that might want to take mild shots or do some moderate sniping from behind an anonymous account don't want to put their name to it because who knows where it's going to go. Who knows who's going to get pissed off about what. And then somebody goes to your boss and says, you need to fire this guy. So I'm a bit torn on that. Anyway, old SJ Truther did respond to me saying, oh, you, you sound like fun. By saying, look, man, you've, you're a big part of my life. And I just was breaking your balls or something to that effect. And that he is a, a big enthusiast on fine bourbon and fine whiskey. Great. It was just one of those things where you just you went over the top, where it was like, hey, whoa, what? 150 an hour for lessons on good bourbon? Like, that seems expensive. I'm going to tell you how I pick my brown liquor, my bourbon, okay? I go into the liquor store, usually with a budget for a bottle, between $40 and $60. That's it. Oh, I know. You can get, quote, better stuff for more money. I don't want to spend more money on better stuff. I then try to go pick a couple of bourbons that I, A, have never tried before. B, sometimes come from big distilleries that are like the Budweiser of bourbon. I guess Johnny Walker is considered one of those. And then the third thing I look for is a fancy bottle. I like the fancy bottles. I really do. You know, the uh, tin cup whiskey with the little... Tin cup on top, and they got the commercials where just a bunch of men, bunch of cowboys out there drinking the whiskey. I'm like, yeah, I like that. I got that a couple times, and then I was like, yeah, I don't really like that whiskey that much. My brother got me the whiskey with the little horsey on the top, and apparently that's now in high demand. It's very expensive because they had a bunch of their barrels burn up in a fire, so it's a very limited supply. I don't even see it in the liquor store anymore. I'd buy it again if it was within 40 to 60 bucks, and it had a little horsey on the top. Uh, there was uh, some whiskey I bought recently that had a key, like a little metal key that dangled around the neck of it. And I was like, oh, that's cute. Let's get that. And I want it to look good in the liquor cabinet or different or unique. There's a wild turkey they make that has the bottle that's shaped like a turkey. I got that once because I'm like, that'll look cool. All the scotches, the high-end scotches, the Bunahabans and the uh, Glenmorangies and whatnot, they all come in a box, and they all come in tall bottles. I don't really like tall bottles that look like wine for my bourbon and or scotch. Well, that is the stupidest way to fucking pick bourbon or scotch or whiskey. It's all the same. It's not all the same. You know what I mean? I know it is. I know it's stupid. I know it's amateurish. I don't give a fuck. This is this is how I pick it. I pick it based on what looks cool. Also, I have a general rule which is I will not pick flavored bourbons or whiskeys. You know, vanilla or uh, you know, raspberry. Now they're, they're mixing all kinds of flavors in there. I don't judge if you do. If you want flavored whiskey, I feel like that's sort of cheating. Even though I do like Bud Light Lime, I'll admit, and people will scoff at me for that and probably chortle. What are you, What are you, a sorority chick? Really? You like that shit? I'm like, yeah, I do. I like it. Not every day, not all the time, but I like it. What can I say? So that's how I pick my bourbon. And I'm more than happy to hear your recommendations and say, try this, try that. This is good. That's not. It doesn't matter to me. And I'm not even mad at S.J. Truther. I didn't block him. I didn't even throw him through the moon door because, you know, I want to give him a second chance. So that that was the fun on Twitter on Saturday night. That distracted me briefly from the heartache and the kick to the balls that was seeing my friends in Wisconsin watch their brewers go circling down the drain. All right, that'll do it for me today. Thank you for listening. Download and subscribe to the Zavecast. Make sure to download the Zavecast app. It is absolutely free and very slick, plus it includes bonus content uh, from other shows and other special podcasts that you may not get. Otherwise, tell three friends, comment, and like. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Now go on out there and review a bunch of game tape and see if you can spot snap infractions like they spotted on the Dallas Cowboys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. We marched each October. Now they say we were never even saved. We must be very brave.